I didn't put it there, but it's Numbers 29 is where we are. We will see, not just here, but it's a biblical truth through the scriptures. That God intends to have a personal relationship with his people. There are certain things that are required of his people, not the least of which that he is our only God and we worship him and we recognize that we are his people and that he is our God. That that bond of relationship and fellowship is not seen or is not illustrated any clearer than what it is here in Numbers. Now, as I said last time, this is a, and this is just following up on Numbers 28 that the account continues of these feasts. And it's a reflection upon what's given in Leviticus chapter 23. So to get the more complete dialogue of, of these feasts and requirements, you'd have to go back and consider uh, Leviticus 23. But we're to remember here in, at this point in the book of Numbers, in the history of God's people, Israel, they are on the brink of going into the land of Canaan. It's just there. And so there are certain things that need to come to mind and there needs to be a reflection. 40 years in the wilderness. So these things are brought up again that the people might continue to understand they have a personal relationship with their God Yahweh. He has a relationship. He is the one who has established the relationship. They didn't. He did. But their relationship in the covenant that he has made with them carries immense blessing um, and promise. Promises that some of the promises which won't be fulfilled. I'll say it this way. Some of which promises won't be completely fulfilled really until the millennial kingdom, which will be a time of glory. We saw this morning in Peter, how in the Old Testament, the prophets prophesied because the spirit of Christ uh, led them into the, uh, the preaching and, and understanding of the sufferings and glories of Christ. And the glories of Christ are yet to be revealed uh, and will be revealed in a, in a time yet to come. Most, most of these glories in the sense of the millennial kingdom and uh, how God's people uh, in that time will give him all the glory and the honor and it will be a wonderful time. So those glories are yet to come. Now, in the Old Testament sense, they are still having to always be reflective upon their relationship with God. And it's a relationship that is a relationship of fellowship. It's uh, and in that fellowship, you know, okay, you think of a circle, 
of uh, a family circle, more than acquaintances, a family circle. Well, that fellowship, the bonding and the assembly together isn't just a time of happiness and joy. There's also fellowshipping in grief, sharing grief and sharing sorrows and so forth. So these are things that, uh, in, that are involved in the relationship that God's people have with him. Now, we're, in the, we're coming into the seventh month, the Jewish seventh month here. There are three, uh, there, there are three feasts uh, or special observations that are taught here, and uh, it's, it doesn't give us everything that Leviticus gives us, but it gives us a good solid uh, reflection upon the importance of these things, these, these feasts. They are established, instituted, and ordained by God himself. You remember Passover and unleavened bread and all that? The thing is that these, all of these are fulfilled in the life and ministry of Christ. I don't see any reason why that doesn't continue. And I'm not going to really uh, focus on that aspect of it tonight. My, my focus tonight is the importance of the relationship to always have God in our lives, uh, to be constantly reminded of our God and, uh, and his place the priority of his place in our lives. So it begins here in the seventh month. It begins with the Feast of Trumpets. Interestingly, uh, the word, uh, uh, the word trumpet is not there. Even, even the word shofar is not there. But the only way to make it understood is to understand that what causes the blast, it's, it's a word that speaks of a blast, a blast of alarm, a call to assembly or a call to war. Uh, and that blast can't happen unless it comes from the shofar or in modern terms, the, the trumpet. So it's, it's right to call it. Uh, trumpet or, or shofar. Well, with that in mind, here we go. In the seventh month on the first day. All right. So this, the seventh month, the term seven is an important number in the Bible. There shall be a holy convocation for you. That, uh, that Hebrew, little Hebrew phrase that's hyphenated up there. It speaks of a solemn assembly, a solemn gathering, and it is understood that within that gathering, there is a reading. In the case of the Israelites, there would be a reading, there would be an appropriate reading from the Torah, the law of Moses. And this, this, uh, is, is to cause, this is, the purpose of it is to cause the people to remember 
always to be constantly mindful, and this is once a year here, to be constantly mindful that they have a relationship with God. So this holy convocation and this shofar, it says is, uh, you should not perform any labor, mundane work, your, your custom, your customary labor. You can't, you don't do that. You set all that aside and it should be a day of shofar sounding for you. So the, 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 on the first day of the seventh month, the trumpet will sound and the people are gathered. This is also known as Rosh Hashanah. Uh, although that's not the term, that's not a Hebrew biblical term. It has become that term with the Jewish people to refer to it as the first day of the Jewish civil year as it's, as it's designated in the law uh, in another part we've already studied. So here the people are called to a solemn assembly to reflect upon God. To remember God. Now in this case, they're about to go into the promised land. 40 years. Starts out with great victory. With God's victory over the gods of Egypt. And the exodus of the people. And the happiness. And the giving of the law up on the mountain. And all the wonderful. But then it also includes the sins. You know. The, the golden calf. And the murmuring. And, and all of the stuff that happened in their lives the doubt that they had in their hearts toward God when they came to the brink of the promised land and they turned it down because they were afraid of giants and walled cities. So it's a time of reflection, not just on the greatness of God, but on the weakness of man. And they were to obviously prayerfully reflect upon this and during these days of this feast, they would, they would offer a series of offerings. We've already studied this when we were in Leviticus. So I'm not going to go through what each offering means. And all. You just see that the offerings are made and they each have a serious meaning. And each one is to draw the heart of the worshiper into a recollection of the presence of God, the fellowship that they have with God, the relationship. He is their God. They are uniquely his people. So this reflection upon God precedes the next two. You'll see why this is important. So first, first the people are called to reflect upon God. And it's done so over a period of time here at the first of the month. And it says in beginning of verse two, you shall offer up a burnt offering for a spirit of satisfaction or an air of uh, maybe a sweet aroma is probably what's generally given in the translation. But it's a, it's a sweet satisfaction. It comes before Yahweh as a sweet smelling savor and it satisfies him for a spirit of satisfaction to Yahweh. One young bull, one ram, seven lambs in the first year, all unblemished. Meal offering should be fine flour, mix, flour mixed with oil, three-tenths for the bull and two-tenths for the ram, and one-tenth for each lamb for the seven lambs and one young male goat as a sin offering to atone for you. 
This is besides the burnt offering of the new month and its meal offering and the continual burnt offering and its meal offering and their libations as prescribed for them as a sweet aroma, as a spirit of satisfaction, a fire offering uh, to Yahweh. We went through all of the details of that when we were in Leviticus. The important thing to note is that it is a, uh, it is a solemn worship on behalf of the people. The fact that a sin offering is given here means that they understand that they're not perfect, they're sinful, and that something unblemished has to die in their stead. They cannot stand for themselves. They are sinful and God can only be satisfied with uh, an appropriate offering. Then the burnt offering, of course, is the offering of, of, of uh, dedication, of complete com- commitment. It, it, uh, it, it's understood that a person has already dealt with his sin. Then he deals with, through the burnt offering with his commitment to God, that he doesn't hide anything from God. Now, with the call to remembrance of the greatness of God and all that he has done for them, again, just on the brink of going into the land of promise, this is the generation. They've, they've not been there since the time of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. This is the land and it's a vast land. It's the, the boundaries are given in the Bible and it's a huge, vast land that flows with milk and honey and they are almost there. This is that new generation. Uh, the rest of them are dead. So now to call to remember, they call, the trumpet blows, the call to remember the relationship that God has with his people, that his people have with God, the covenant that exists between them. Now that they're reflecting upon God, this leads to the second thing that's given in the seventh month, and that's the Day of Atonement. Now, there's a lot about the Day of Atonement in in the other part of the scriptures, and we're not, our purpose is not to look at everything about the Day of Atonement. That's a study within itself. But to call the people now to to, to to remembrance on the 10th day of the seventh month. So for nearly 10 days, they have been doing what they had. It took time to bring all of those sacrifices to gather the people in a solemn assembly and to read a holy reading from the Torah, obviously from the law. So now they've come to the uh, 10th day of the seventh month. Again, same thing, holy convocation, a solemn assembly for you, where again, there will be a solemn reflection and a holy reading of the Torah, the law, and you shall, now here's the difference, and you shall afflict your souls. You shall not perform any work. Here on the day of atonement, Israel is to be mindful of sin. In the first one, the Feast of Trumpets, they're mindful of the presence of God. You can't be mindful of the presence of God without thinking of how, of how small you are in his presence. But beyond that now, now that they've reflected upon God, they're to be brought to the attention of the biblical truth that we are sinners and that we need a saving God. We cannot save ourselves. So they are called now to reflect upon just the, not, not just personal sins, but the sinful condition 
in which we exist as a human race. You shall afflict your souls and you shall not perform any work. So they're separated from the details of life otherwise, and they are totally focused once again on their relationship with Yahweh, but this time with regard to their sins, the condition of their souls and the soul's need for a savior. And then here comes this, this litany of offerings, this list that's given. You shall offer up a burnt offering to Yahweh for a spirit of satisfaction, a sweet aroma, one young bull, one ram, seven lambs in the first year for they shall all be unblemished. And their meal offering shall be fine flour mixed with oil, three tenths for the bull, two tenths for the ram, one tenth for each lamb, for the seven lambs, a young male goat for a sin offering besides the atonement sin offering and continual burnt offering, its meal offering and their libations. Now, you know, the day of atonement included a lot more than that. This is just sort of a, a summary, uh, but that's, that's given in another part of scripture. But the day of atonement is a day of affliction, is, is, a day, is a day to remember the presence of God and to remember our fallen condition and that we have nothing apart from our Savior. We, our God is gracious. He has established a covenant. He has brought us to himself. And uh, he makes these certain requirements. And part of those requirements have to do with remembering, not just remembering the presence of Yahweh, but to remember who we are apart from Yahweh. We're nothing. We're fallen. We're ruined. We're undone. Now the rest of the chapter is about the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is, well, let's look at it and I'll talk about it. On the 15th day, so from the 1st to the 10th, now to the 15th day of the 7th month, there shall be a holy convocation. There it is again, solemn assembly. You shall not perform any mundane work. You shall celebrate a festival. You shall keep in high regard and with joy a festival to Yahweh for seven days. And then it ends on an eighth day and there's something about that eighth day as well, you shall offer up a burnt offering, a fire offering for a spirit of satisfaction to Yahweh. Uh, 13 young bulls, two rams, 14 lambs the first year, they shall be all unblemished. I have this trouble, this spell correct. They don't understand Yahweh. And they misspelled it. I have to go back, and I'm, but I overlooked that one in verse 13. That bothers me when that happens. So I'm, I'm bothered. Um, <laughs> all right, let me, let me just stop here. The Feast of Tabernacles, one of those required pilgrimages of males over the age of, of 30. It was a time where they were to make, also it's called the Feast of Booths, not the Feast of Booze. The Feast of Booths, all right? <laughs> and they were to build tents, tabernacles, out of, out of uh, branches and, and leaves and stems and so forth. And it was, a, it, was a, it, was a, it was like going to camp. It was a happy time 
People enjoyed their, they came from all over the world. People didn't know each other, but they knew they were descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so they had that in common and their worship of Yahweh. And they were there to reflect upon that relationship, but upon also in this feast to reflect upon God's provision, uh, his, his providing, his provision, and his protection through life. It was to reflect upon how they were provided for and protected during their sojourn in the wilderness, even though most of the time they didn't deserve it. But God had assumed the position of their God and he took care of his people. So this went on uh, for seven days, even into the eighth day. And they, they reflected upon how God is with us all through life. He is our provider. He is our protector. Why should we worry? This is what this feast is all about. A time of happiness. The providing and protecting presence of the Lord through life. So he goes on and gives this list of all of the, all of the uh, offerings that they're to, to make. To make. Going on to verse 14, their meal offering, fine flour mixed with oil, three tenths for each bull, for the 13 bulls, two tenths for each ram, for the two rams, one tenth for each lamb, for the 14 lambs, and one young male goat for a sin offering besides the continual burnt offering, its meal offering, and its libation. And on the second day, 12 young uh, bulls, two rams, 14 lambs in the first year, all unblemished, and their meal offerings uh, and their libations for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs, according to their number, as prescribed, one young male goat for a sin offering, besides the continual burnt offering, its meal offering, and their libations. On the third day, 11 bulls, two rams, uh, 14 lambs in the first year, all unblemished, and a partridge in a pear tree. Um, their meal offerings, their libations for the bulls, rams, lambs, according to their number, as prescribed, one young male goat for a sin offering besides continual burnt offering, its meal offering, its libation. And on the fourth day, 10 bulls, two rams, 14 lambs, the first in their first year, all unblemished. Meal offerings and their libations for the bulls, for the rams and for the lambs, according to their number as prescribed. One young male goat for a sin offering besides the continual burnt offering, its meal offering, and its libation. Fifth day, nine bulls, two rams, 14 lambs, in the first year, all unblemished, meal offerings, their libations, bulls, rams for the lambs, accounting to their, according to their number as prescribed. One young male goat for a sin offering besides the continual burnt offering, its meal offering and its libation. Sixth day, eight bulls, two rams, 14 lambs in the first year, all unblemished, their meal offerings and their libations for the bulls, for the rams and for the lambs, according to their number as prescribed and one young male goat for a sin offering besides the continual burnt offering, its meal offering and its libations. Uh, seventh day, seven bulls, two rams, 14 lambs in the first year, all unblemished. Uh, meal offerings and their libations for the bulls, for the rams, for the lambs according to their number as prescribed for them, one young male goat for a sin offering besides the continual burnt offering, its meal offering and its libation. The eighth day, here we are, now into the eighth day. This is the first day of a new week. The eighth day shall be a time of restriction for you. You shall not perform any mundane work. So now 
it comes to a close, a serious reflection. You shall offer up a burnt offering, fire offering for a spirit of satisfaction to Yahweh. One bull, ram, one ram, seven lambs in the first year, all unblemished. Meal offerings and their libations for the, the bulls, rams, and lambs, according to their number as prescribed. One young male goat for a sin offering besides the continual burnt offering, its meal offering and its libation. These you shall offer up for Yahweh on your festivals besides your vows and voluntary offerings for your burnt offerings, meal offerings for your libations, for your peace offerings. Moses spoke to the sons of Israel in accordance with all that Yahweh had commanded Moses. Now that moves into chapter 30 in my Hebrew Bible, but I think it's the last verse, maybe verse 40 in the English translation. I think, I think I'm right on that. Okay. Now, I'm going to end it with this because it's interesting. The Feast of Tabernacles. I know we, we celebrate Christmas on December the 25th. And uh, that's written down in Second Assumptions chapter 3, I guess. But uh, reading from really ancient commentaries, I mean, we're talking about guys way back uh, in the church before, <laughs> who wrote before there was a Christmas tradition. It's a strong belief that Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, actually was born during the Feast of Tabernacles because John says in John chapter 1 and verse 14, and the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. That's an interesting thought. Uh, there's not enough proof for me to say one way or another. However, it's a, it's a nice reflection to think about that because of the importance of the Feast of Tabernacles and how, how we are to be reminded, of course, how we are protected and provided for all through our lives. So, you know, Christ, he is present with us in his Holy Spirit. Uh, he is our atonement. He, he died to save us. Uh, but he also lives to keep us, and that's a reflection as well upon the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, we're going to stop there and be dismissed. Okay, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for how you've provided for us and protected us. How you've saved us and how you've reminded us constantly of your presence in our lives. Help us, O oh Lord, to live our lives in such a way that we please you. In Jesus' name, amen.